Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Justin Kovac. My name is Jacob Hecker. My name is Jenna Stallsmith. I'm Jaden Snow, and I'm a student and a volunteer. I'm a student leader. I'm a leader. I have a youth leader at Relevant Student Ministry. To me, RSM is an opportunity to give back. Um, as, a, as a kid, I grew up in the church, and I was heavily influenced by the church, and I really came to know Jesus as a college student. And uh, now that I'm out of college, it's an opportunity to give back and to pour into the lives of the students that, uh, like people poured into my life, and, and to be God's hands and feet and to, to show his love to, to students that, quite frankly, don't always get to see it. Relevant Student Ministries really just means family and relationship building. It's a week-to-week thing where I get to see students and leaders, myself included, come together and just not only have fun and hang out and play games, they get to come to know Jesus and just worship together. And I think that's something super special. Relevant means so much to me, um, especially family. I think that's the word that I'd label it. Family is where I can come to and I can feel loved. And I know that people will listen to me whenever I have problems. And I know that there will always be a shoulder to cry on. And I know that they'll laugh with me on the good times and they'll cry with me also on the bad. It's where I feel welcomed the most, and I just love it. It's filled with so much joy. To me, RSM means a place of acceptance and fellowship, where I can go and have people that will celebrate the highs that I have that week and um, help me through the lows that I've had and what I've been going through in school. And I know that some students also need that time of fellowship and acceptance and that it's also a place where I can come to strengthen my relationship with Jesus Christ and that other students can come strengthen their relationship or even get to know Him themselves. Relevant Student Ministries is important because it's really on a day-to-day basis we can see life change inside of our students. Relevant Student Ministries is important because this is where kids can come to when they don't feel safe anywhere else. This is where they can come to if Um, they're having problems at home or maybe at school and they don't know how to talk about it. This is where they can also make their own family and I find it so important that the leaders here have such a desire to want them also and to want to listen to them. I think it's important because you're seeing, not always, but you're seeing in a lot of cases kids with broken homes or kids that are in tough situations that don't know Jesus getting to come to this place where worship is so key and they're getting to have a good time and just like have these leaders pour into them and they get to just just come to Jesus and, and learn about Him and just the, the, the way of life He is. And I think that's just, I think it's just great. I think it's cool just seeing the interactions between students and leaders and just seeing them grow. RSM is important because it can take students from broken homes or from bad relationships or friendships and they can come here and then they can also have people like our great leaders that will accept them and value their highs, but also help them through their lows that week or any other time in their life. My life has changed dramatically, um, not just as as getting the opportunity to um, help lead this ministry, but to um, 
help grow personally. Since I came to youth group, my life has changed drastically because I remember when I was in sixth grade and I was shy and I would never think I'd be able to do something like this or even help volunteer here and meet new people and make new friends. So I think it's important that people can come here and that have my same story and or something similar and can meet Jesus and meet new leaders and make new friends and maybe come out of their shell like how RSM has changed me. My life has definitely changed a lot. I started coming here when I was a high school student and I never thought that I'd be like a leader one day and making this a big part of my life. I came here because a, a girl invited me and uh, over the years I had great youth leaders who, who, who spoke into my life and just let me know about Jesus and I came to know Jesus when I was a high school student, a senior in high school. And from that point on, I, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a leader here. I wanted to volunteer my time, and I wanted to pour into these kids the same way that my leaders poured into me. Personally, I've made a whole 180 in my life through this time at Relevant. Um, and at the beginning, in sixth grade, I didn't want to come here. I was happy at this other church. I didn't want to leave it. The leaders there were awesome, and I was just so close to be able to go to their youth group, but um, the family decided to come here, and so I came, but it was a, a time that I don't think I would have wanted any different. Um, I understood, Je I knew Jesus, and I understood that he loved me, but whenever I came to Relevant, that's when I truly understood his love, and that's whenever I truly grasped how much he loved me, and how much he's done for me, and how much I need to give back to him, and it really grew my passion for me to serve him more, and my desire for my life to just walk through his um, path and through his light and that I'm able to live for him. Hopefully when my daughter's in high school, I don't know if I'll still be running around with high schoolers, but uh, somebody will be pouring into her life as well. Hi, my name is Alex DeRosa. I'm the youth pastor here at New Life, and this is my first time getting to speak for a weekend here at the church. So I know this is the fourth time, but I'm still really nervous. I've been nervous all the services, but that's okay. We're in this together. Um, the first thing I want to do is at youth group, what happens is whenever we have first-time guests, we welcome them with a round of applause. I know we have some first-time guests with us today, so can we just welcome them with a hand today? Yeah! Thank you so much for coming. We've been praying that you would come. We've been preparing for you. That coffee out there is for you. I mean, it's for everyone, but it's especially for you. And whether you were dragged here by someone else, you came here by chance, you just didn't have any coffee left at home, so you wanted to take it from here, whatever, it took, whatever brought you here, that's fine. We're just happy that you're here. And I want to encourage you to come back next week and the following weeks, because normally up on this stage, we have pastors Brad, Mark, or Chris, are phenomenal speakers who get to share God's word every week. And it's just a privilege for me today to be able to give them a break. They had a busy week with Christmas. They had a busy year altogether. And so I was very honored when they asked if I could come and talk. But again, nervous. I mean, they asked me in September, and it's just been building since September. Like, if they would they would have thought about it, maybe they could ask me like two weeks ago, then I would have had all these fears for like three months. But that's, hey, I appreciate the preparation. And, and so today, I just want to just tell you a little story about myself, a time where I was incredibly anxious. But really, honestly, I've been anxious since I've been young. I mean, when I first started talking to girls, I remember there were some cool dudes in like middle school, as if you could be a cool middle schooler. And I remember as they were talking to girls, they would be like, 
What's up, ladies? And people would be like, oh, wow, they're so cute. Me, on the other hand, I would try to get my nerves to, to get under control, and I'd walk up to a girl, and I'd be like, hi. And always I pitched voice. That's fine. Hi. And they would, if they would say hi back, I would just giggle and run. Um, that was the only move I had, just giggle and run. And that, that's, oof, I'd be okay with that. As I got older, we had to do presentations for school. And again, getting up in front of my peers, oh, my gosh, I was always going nuts. When we'd go to amusement parks, my brother... I have a twin brother, and he loves roller coasters. I feel like would always have to drag me onto them, kicking and screaming. We'd be in line, and I'm like, Nick, I don't want to do this. I want to live. And he was like, come on, we're going to have fun, because he, of course, wouldn't want to ride by himself. So you can imagine how I was feeling when I was about to turn 21, and my brother came into my room with the perfect idea to celebrate our 21st birthday. Skydiving. Now, I told, oh my gosh. Now, I was like, my first response was No. Absolutely not. And Nick was like, but please, it's been on my bucket list to go skydiving. And I was like, on my bucket list is to make it to 22. So absolutely not. Eventually, though, through some guilt, some pleading, and promising that he would pay for me, which if I'm going to die, might as well have Nick pay for me, I finally said, let's do it. So that day came, and again, nerves like crazy. We got in the car. We started driving. We picked up our friend Kevin, who was going to jump with us that day as well. I don't know why. And we got there. And I, I don't know if it was the name of the place, Skydiving Ricks, or it was a one small rickety plane, or it was a guy that greeted us that I kid you not had one leg. But my nerves didn't go away. And this guy, who swears it did not happen in a skydiving accident, as if he would tell us if that was the case, brought us to his basement which sounds like the start of a horror movie, right? Uh, go to skydiving Ricks and come in my basement. And so we got in there, and he turned on this movie about skydiving safety that I'm sure was made in, like, the 20s. And after watching it, he said, all I really got to do is teach you two things, two things to survive, because someone else would be strapped on you. They'll be pulling the string for the parachute. So if you know these two things, you're going to be okay. And for me, I was like taking notes. I was like, already, like whatever you tell me right now, I will do because I want to live through the day. And so the first thing was the arch position. You see, when you jump out of a plane, what happens is you enter free fall. You go crazy. And the front flips, back flips. It's the only time I've ever done a flip in my life. I was out of the plane because you just do. You don't control it. But if you want to ever start falling like this, you need to make all your center of gravity right here. So what you do is you bring your arms back, your head back, and your legs back, and then you have this perfect arch position. So he had us go on the floor and practice it. My brother went first, and it took him a couple times to get it. My friend Kevin went next. Again, it took him a couple times, and I was like, it's not. It's going to take one time. So I dove on the floor, got ready. He said, arch, I arched, and <laughs> as archy as I possibly could, right? And so I was ready. The second thing they taught us was the landing steps. These were much easier. You were just floating down for the last few minutes, and it was nice and calm, and they said, all you have to do to land well is bring your legs up, bring your knees up, and push your legs out, and then you just kind of sit on the ground. That way you keep both your legs. And so I took notes on that, and I was sure to do it, and he sent us outside. But as we left the basement, God was just looking over me, and the sky was dark, the clouds were low, and he looks at us and says, oh, sorry, guys, 
can't jump today. And I'm like, yes, that's awesome. So Nick and Kevin were like, oh, it's a bummer. Why don't we just go get some food? So we sat down and had breakfast, which is like my dream birthday, right? Uh, pancakes, eggs, bacon, coffee, waffles, all that. Oh, so good. So we're eating and I'm enjoying it like the weight of the world's off my shoulders. And my brother's phone rings. And I can hear him talking to this guy. He said, no, 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there. And he hangs up and he says, skies are clear. We're ready to jump. So I finished what I think is probably like my last meal, right? Get, grab that extra slice of bacon. Don't feel guilty about that when you're going out big. And we get in the car and we drive out to skydiving ricks. Now this plane could only hold two people at a time, which tells you how good the plane is. And Nick and Kevin go up first. I wait on the ground. And I'm telling you that my relationship with God like got so much better during that time. I was just like praying, praying, praying. And finally it was my turn. I strap me with this dude. We get in the plane and we start going up and up and up. About a mile up off the ground. You're supposed to go two miles to jump. A mile off the ground. They open the door. They say, we want to give you a sneak peek because they're sick. And so they put me on my stomach and I'm looking out at the ground a mile up, and I'm terrified. Like, how, how, how can I get to the ground? Like, how is that even possible? But they pull me up, and they say, got a mile to go. They shut the door. We go up. We go up. We go, and finally it's time. They open the door. They tell me to swing my legs out and put them on the plane, which is terrifying because you do that, and the wind's going crazy. And then I hear it, one, two, a big push from behind, a girly scream from me, three, and we go. Now, I will say that I probably will never do that again. I did find the arch position, though, and I did, on the way down, practice the landing steps like 25 times because I was making sure my legs were intact, and I did make it back to the ground. But it was pretty incredible. I mean, there was something amazing about it once I was out there. I mean, I love birds and like watching them fly. And it was so cool just being able to fly down for a little while. It was something that I don't think I ever would have done if I wasn't pushed or dragged to do it. But I got to do something pretty cool. And I tell you that story for two reasons. The first reason is we're going to look at a guy in the Bible today named Moses who needed a few pushes from God to do something incredible. We're also going to hear about how God wants to use us today to do something incredible. And I believe that today is that push from him. But before we do that, let's pray. Dear God, I pray that your spirit will just speak through me now. I pray that you'll take away all distractions. I pray that our minds and our hearts will just be focused on you and we'll be willing to do something a little scary, a little nerve-wracking in order to do something amazing for you. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. So Moses, we meet him in the Bible as a baby. You see, what was happening at this time is we're in Egypt, and Pharaoh is in charge of Egypt. He's looked at as a king and even like a false god to the, the I mean, they thought he was a real god to the Egyptians. And Pharaoh had made all of God's people, the Israelites, slaves. And at this time, God's people were being really mistreated but they were growing in number. They kept having kids and growing up. And Pharaoh started being scared about this. He didn't want to be overthrown by God's people. So what he did is he made a decree that every newborn boy baby had to be killed. So Moses' mom, being a very good mother, decided that she didn't want that to happen. So she got Moses, put him in a basket, 
and sent him down a river. Now, that was being a good mother then, but just remember right now, if you just take your son um, and put him in a basket and send him down the mon, um, that's not good. Don't do that. Um, but for Moses, it was fine. Because later on, Pharaoh's daughter found Moses and raised him as her own. So as Moses grew up, he started to realize, though, that he wasn't an Egyptian, that he was one of God's people, one of the slave people. And so he started looking out, and anger started building in his heart because he was seeing his people being mistreated. One day he was walking around, and he saw one of the slaves being beaten. So Moses checked around to make sure no one was watching, and he went to that Egyptian slaver, and he killed him. And after he killed him, he hit him, and he went back home, and he was hoping that no one saw. But word got back to Pharaoh. And when word got back to Pharaoh, Moses got scared, and he ran into the wilderness. And then we find out that Moses eventually becomes a shepherd and has sheep. And on the day where we're interacting with him today, he was on a mountain with these sheep. And so he's walking, and all of a sudden, he hears a voice. Moses. Like a like a deep James Earl Jones voice, like uh, Darth Vader, the nice man from the end of the sand, like Moses. He looks around and he sees a voice is coming from a bush that is on fire, but not burning up. So he goes near, he takes off his sandals and he realizes that this is a living God speaking to him. So as he listens to God, God is just laying out a plan for his people to be freed to be taken out of slavery. And God wanted to use Moses to do this, to accomplish this goal. But as Moses is hearing this, he's getting more and more scared and more and more nervous. So he starts coming up with excuses. I can't do that. How possibly can I get a whole nation of people out of Egypt? That just doesn't make any sense. And who am I to do that? He even starts to ask God, like, who are you? Who do I say you are? Because Egypt has all these other false, false gods. What name can I even say that you are? But God answers every one of these questions. He details his perfect plan. He shows Moses miracles, and he eventually even just says, I am who I am. I'm the God who has always been and always will be, and I will make this happen through you. And Moses is still scared. And then we get this exchange. It's from Exodus 4, 10 through 12, and it says, but Moses replied to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, either in the past or recently, or since you have been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. Now, people translate that to mean that Moses was a stutter. The Lord said to him, Who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. So finally, Moses takes these shoves over and over until he decided to follow God. And God did something amazing through him. God sent him everything that he needed. He even partnered him up, Moses, with his brother Aaron, who was good at speaking. I believe God also did this to illustrate the point that we are not made to go through this life alone. We need help. So Moses goes back and faces off with Pharaoh, demands that the people be released. Pharaoh doesn't let them go, so God sends down these plagues, these miracles that happen until finally Pharaoh says, okay, they can go. But as they're running, Pharaoh decides, wait a second, that's all my, my labor. Like, I don't want them to go. He gets his army together, and they start chasing down God's people. But God wasn't done. 
He opened this sea. He split it in front of them, made the ground dry, and allowed his people to walk across. And what Moses did after that is he led his people for 40 years. He would speak directly to God and then communicate with his people. Miracles happened. Moses was able to do an incredible thing. As a normal person, God used him to save a nation of people. And I think this is so cool because although this story was written thousands of years ago, I believe that today, in 2017, almost 2018, this story still applies to our lives. We can take things from this story and use them today. It's so cool how God's word works that way. The first thing that I believe that is the same in this story that is the same today is a simple truth that the world is hurting. It's easy to see that in this story, right? The world is hurting. People are enslaved. They're being beaten. They're being mistreated. The world isn't as it should be. And we look at today, we fast forward all the way to 2017, and it's still true. There's still slavery happening all over the world today. That's not how it should be. We won't even look past that and see into our own lives or our friends' lives or our brothers or sisters or our co-workers or neighbors, whatever. We see that we are entrapped with sin, that we get stuck in our own desires. We get stuck in our own way by addictions, by anger, by lust, by the desire to fit in, the desire not to miss out, the desire to look a certain way. We enslave ourselves to sins, the world isn't how it should be. We can turn on the news and find this out right away. There's too much pain to be happening in this world that God is in. We can go on social media and see the hate immediately and know that this isn't the way it should be. We can feel it in our bones. We just look inside ourselves and know that the world is hurting and it's in trouble. Different symptoms, the same disease. Sin is doing a number to the world and it shouldn't be that way. But the good news in this story and the good news today is that God is the same God as he has always been. God is the same God today that he was back then with Moses. He has the same power and he has the same desire to deliver his people from sin and from bondage, from change, from slavery. God today is that same God that spoke to Moses out of the burning bush and he wants to use you and me today. The cool thing is, Throughout this book, we see God sending a deliverer, a human, every time his people would get stuck, whether they were enslaved or it was their own sin or they were overtaken by a different nation, God would send a person to go deliver them over and over. Unfortunately, what would happen is us as people, we would return to our sin and God would have to send another deliverer until finally he just decided to send Jesus, his son, who is going to save the people once and for all. That through his death and resurrection, that our sins can be cleaned off. They can be taken away for all time. That we no longer have to live in our chains, but we can give it up to Jesus and he will take it away. So before I move on, I just want to speak to you right now. If you feel this is you, if you feel that you've given yourself to sin, that you are trapped in this addiction or with this desire, or whatever is going on in your heart, I want to encourage you to give it to God right now. He's the healer. Jesus wants to free you. He wants to give you freedom in this new year. He doesn't want you to live as a slave anymore. He wants to give you a new life. If you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, I encourage you to do it right now. It's easy. You just say, Jesus, 
Come into my life. Take away my sin. Make me a new person. And not only will you get to live in freedom here, you'll get to live in freedom in heaven for all eternity. God is so good. He's the same God as he was then. And he still wants to deliver people today. And as he used Moses, he wants to use us. The third thing that this story tells us that I believe is so true today is that God uses ordinary people for extraordinary things. Moses was this normal dude. I don't even know if he was normal. We would maybe call him evil. He murdered a guy. And then he was a coward and he ran away. Then he couldn't even speak. And God, God's voice is actually telling him, hey, do this, do this. And he still doesn't want to. I mean, all the time I've thought like, okay, if God just showed up and told me clearly what to do, of course I would do. Moses didn't even want to do that. But we still see what God did through his life. Later on in the Bible, there's this guy named Stephen. And Stephen is sharing about the story and history of God with a bunch of, of Jewish people. Because Jesus had just come, died, rose again, and went to heaven. And he's trying to convince them that everything in the Old Testament pointed towards a coming king. And that king is Jesus. That we needed a deliverer for all time and that Jesus was one that delivered us. And when he went to tell the story of Moses to these people, he says this in Acts 7.22. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. And you realize, like, wait a second. We know Moses. He wasn't that powerful in speech. He wasn't even good at it. In action, he didn't want to do anything. So either A, Stephen's wrong, or B, what he's saying is that God used this average, normal, ordinary God, guy to do an amazing thing. And it's so cool because God wants to do that with us today. He wants to take us and he wants to push us out of the plane and to do something incredible. And yes, it's a little scary. And yes, it's a little hard. But God is a God of all time and God is going to be watching out and God can use us to do powerful, amazing things. That brings us to our take-home point. And this take-home point is the one thing that this lesson is all about. But it's also what I want us to take in our minds as we leave this place. It's also what I want 2018 to be about. Take home points is this. God wants to use me. Now, if you're filling in, it has that fill in your own name. So God wants to use me, insert your own name. So for that, it would be Alex, to help this hurting world. God wants to use Justin to help this hurting world. And God wants to use Crystal to help this hurting world. And God wants to use Sheba to help this hurting world. God wants to use you to help this hurting world. And he can. He has all the power. He has the plan in place. We just have to follow him to make it happen. And if that seems insurmountable, if that seems scary, I'm with you. It does. It absolutely was what Moses was feeling when God was calling him. He was like, how? There's a nation of people. What can I possibly do? It was absolutely what I was feeling when I was looking at that plane. How am I going to make it to the ground? It doesn't make sense. But what's so cool is that Jesus was sent to this earth not only to deliver us, but set an example for how we can do this. An example for how we can live. When he was on this earth, someone asked him, what is the best thing to do? What is the greatest commandment for us to follow? And Jesus responded, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then later in the book of John, it was recorded that he said this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What he was getting at is that this love that Jesus has 
has power. It's an otherworldly love. It's a love that changes lives and frees slaves and heals the sick. This love that Jesus had that he was spreading is something that we can harness and share with other people. Now, I'm so lucky that I got to experience this love when I was in high school. You see, we went to church when I was very young. But eventually what happened is when my parents split, we didn't go anymore. When they got a divorce, we just stopped going to church. And my life around that same time started to spiral out of the control. I was so angry about everything that was going on around me. I just wanted to take it out on those that were close, my friends, my family members, those in school. I remember looking in the mirror and just hating who I was. I just despised me. So much so that I went to school when I was just looking for a fight to pick with someone around me. And if you look at me today, you know that I wasn't winning a lot of those fights. I was just mad. And I wanted other people to feel miserable like I did. And at a point where I thought I had pushed everyone possible out of my life, a kid named Ted, who rode the bus with me, invited me to go to youth group. And my first response was, No, that sounds lame. I don't want to do that. But he kept pressing, and he finally said the magic words that I need to hear. You see, I was a little overweight, and I have, like most high schoolers, had an uncontrollable appetite. And Ted told me that at this youth group, they had free pizza. So although I didn't really want to go, I was like, okay, I'm all about free pizza. Uh, So if the worst thing that happened is I stuff my face and sit there full I'll do it. So I showed up at this youth group, and I wish I could say I walked through the doors, and it was like, ah, and I accepted Jesus right then and there, and my life was changed from that moment, and I didn't even care about pizza anymore. I just wanted Jesus. But instead, I went, and I ate pizza, and to be honest, I was kind of rude. I was a a jerk when I showed up. I was mean to the other kids. I was always talking when the, the speaker was talking. I mean, so much so that now every time it happens with a sixth or seventh grader when I'm speaking to them, I'm like, oh, no, that's getting me back. I, I get that. I see that now. I see that. I see the error of my ways. I was mistreating everyone that was there just because I thought I could. I refused to play the games. I didn't want to cooperate. I just wanted to eat pizza. And I don't know, I kept showing up. But something happened. It was incredible. Every time I came, no matter how mean I was, as I walked in, the leaders, the students, the pastors were always greeting me with love. They're always like, oh, we're so happy you're here. And I'm thinking in my head, like, why? But okay. And then they would go to a movie and they'd call me and say, like, do you want to come to the movies? We'll pay for you. And there were retreats that were happening. And they'd say, hey, come on this retreat. We'll pay for you to go. We just want you to be a part of this. And so I did. I kept coming. And finally, there's this one day I was on a retreat. And it was maybe the first time I ever had listened to a speaker on the stage talk. Like really listen, not just be there, but listen and pay attention. And he was talking about Jesus. And he was saying that Jesus loves you. No matter what you've done or where you've been, how bad you think you are, how much you might hate yourself. Jesus loves you so much that he died for you on the cross, came back to life again to give you freedom and new life. And it clicked. That love that I experienced every week for two hours a week, that was the love of Jesus. And in that moment, I realized I want to experience that love not just two hours a week, but every moment for the rest of my life. So I gave my heart, my life, everything to Jesus in that moment. I said, God, I want to be with you. And it was an incredible thing that the love of this youth group was able to open up my heart to hear the truth of God. And it's a privilege of mine today to be working at New Life with the youth group here. 
because we make it a point to share love with everyone that comes through those doors. No matter where you're from or what you've done or who you are, we want you to come in here and make sure that you are loved. I was so encouraged by that video that Brad and the leaders put together because I didn't like put a gun to their head and say, you have to say these nice things about us. They just did. And they were talking about family and about love and about Jesus. And it was just so encouraging because that's what it's all about. Our mission statement here at Relevant Student Ministries is is that we exist to change the culture of South Butler School District for the glory of God. Now, we picked South Butler because we're on the same road as it. We want to affect all the schools. We want all of them to change for the glory of God. But we started there. We want to start there. And we believe that we can change the culture of a school district by having a place here that is filled with love. That as soon as students walk in this door, that they feel the love of Jesus. So much so that every student that comes in here gets immediately plugged into a small group. So they're all, all the small groups are split up by age and by gender. So we have a 6th grade boys small group and a 10th grade girls small group and so on and so forth. And every small group has a prayer team member that doesn't even come to youth group. That just has a list of those names of the students in that small group and prays for them by name every week. Because we want something incredible to happen in the lives of every single one of our students. And so as they walk in those doors, they get greeted by love by our greeters and by our check-in people. We have snack shacks set up, so you get a, a new uh, Relevant Student Ministry shirt when you first come. You get some free snacks when you come, and snacks are there every single week. Of course, we do the pizza thing. We want to make sure that everyone feels loved. And then they get to go to small group. And their leaders, oh, they're incredible. We have two leaders. We try to have two leaders in every single small group. Those leaders know each kid by name. They know their stories. They go to their games and their activities. They text their students throughout the week to check up with them. They are sure, the students that is, they are sure that they are loved by someone. And it's our purpose to show them this overwhelming love of Jesus. And it's so cool because it's been spreading. One of our students leads See You at the Pool at at the high school. And this year at South Butler, more kids showed up than have ever showed up to pray, to hold hands, to glorify God in that way. We have two students that go to Freeport, and we care about Freeport too, even though it's not an admission statement. We care deeply for them as well. We have two students that said, can we get 700 Bibles into the hands of the students in our school? And we're like, absolutely. And it was on them doing that. I mean, I can't just walk into a school handing out Bibles. I would be a creep if I did that. But they absolutely can. And it was their idea. We have a student that posted online, we don't have any food in our house. We can't have dinner tonight. And another student posts saying, we have food. Come on over and we'll make you dinner. The love of Jesus is catching like fire. It's just the old adage that we know that they won't care what you know until they know how much you care. They won't care how, what you know until they know how much you care. Meaning that in order for someone to listen to God and his story, they need to feel that love first. For me, it wasn't just the love of the the youth group, but it was also the speaker on the stage. They work together to allow my life to change and come to Jesus. So that's the next thing. The first thing is loving uh, loving people with the love of Jesus. The second thing is telling the story of Jesus. It comes right out of God's word and, and the book of Romans, and it says this. 
But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him, meaning Jesus, unless someone tells them? It just makes sense, right? How will people believe in Jesus if no one tells them? It's a command that God gives us to go out and share the word with people. I love the fact that I get to be part of New Life Christian Ministries because it's a church that is unapologetic about our mission our priority to go out and share the news about Jesus, so much so that it's in our mission statement, which says, we exist to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. I love that. I love that we don't want to just be comfortable with where we're at right now. We want every week to jump out of the plane and do something incredible. Now, I'm not saying this to make fun of any, anyone else or t- tear down at any other place, but I've been a part of organizations that are more like a country club and the way that they want to make sure that people feel safe and comfortable, two feet on the ground, maybe feel important. And I love being a part of the place that says, nah, none of that stuff makes sense. What we want to do is we want to share the love and the good news about Jesus with the world. We're going to start here and it's going to spread and it's going to go all over the world. I love being a part of a church that says we're just going to jump out of the plane and we're going to make sure that God is moving in our area because... We know the world is hurting. We see it in the lives of those around us. This year, unfortunately, for for me and youth ministry, we had to bury more students this year than the previous nine years. This world is still hurting. There's still pain. There's still people enslaved. Our brothers, our sisters, our neighbors, they need to know this love of Jesus. But the good news is that God is alive, and he's still moving today, and he wants miracles to happen right now, and he still has all the power that he always has, and he wants to use me and you to bring people to him, to bring people to healing and to freedom and to new life and to heaven. It's through God's power, but he wants to use me and you. And it starts with loving. It starts with loving, especially the unlovable. Years later, after youth group, after I was done in youth group, my youth pastor took me out to eat one day, and he said, I definitely wanted to kick you down the stairs rather than invite you back. And I remember that, like, being, like, a pretty surreal moment, like, oh, really? And then thinking, like, wow, how incredible is it that he decided to love the unlovable? Because that's what Jesus commands us to do. It's easy to love those that are nice to us, right? But what he's saying is to love everyone. And then to tell the story, tell people what Jesus has done in our lives. Be willing to pray for people. Sometimes it's really powerful not just to say, hey, I'll pray for you, but to in that moment pray for people to show them that God is still working and invite them to church. This leads us to our commitment. If we're going to live on this earth, I'd rather not just live amongst the brokenness, but I want to see the broken be healed. I don't want to just live amongst slaves, but I want to see those people be freed And if we want to do that this year, it's following God's commandment to us. It's this commitment. It says this, I will share the love and story of Jesus with one person this year. Starts with love, goes with story. If you are filling in one of these, it has a little blank spot for one to fill in. And I put that on purpose because if you want to do more than one, that's great. Put 10 if you want to. But imagine if we all said that we were going to get one person this year. We're going to bring one person to know Jesus. Usually on a weekend, there's about 800 people. So if we think about that, if 800 people in the next year came to Jesus, that's more than two a day for the rest of the year. And how incredible would that be for the church? 
Our children's ministry would just be bursting at the seams with people, children that are raised to know Jesus. Our youth ministry, we'd have more and more people that come that are broken, that get healed by God, and their lives, their trajectories just change. Here on the weekends, God would just be filling this place. And not so that new life can be glorified, but that he can be glorified, and that the hurt can be healed, and the slaves can be free. And God can show up and do something incredible by using us. So yes, it's a little scary. Yes, it's a little hard. But let's commit to 2018 to do something amazing. To be willing to accept this push from God to leave the plane and to do something awesome. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you so much for bringing us today. And I thank you that you are a God that lives today, that you still move and that you have all the power, all the glory, all of it is yours. I pray that you'll take us and remove the fear from our hearts and allow us to do something awesome today when we're interacting with people, when we're celebrating the New Year's. God, I pray that you allow us to share your love and share your story. I thank you for giving us your word that just depicts how we should live. And I thank you for sending your son to deliver us from sin once and for all. We pray this all in your son's holy name. Amen.